This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the State Education Commissioner is celebrating the end of the school year at Baker County, the first district in Florida to reopen last August during the pandemic. We're completing 180 days of a school year with children safely, successfully, and they're still in America, schools, as the governor said, where you can't, parents can't even send their kids. It's not just heartbreaking, it's not just wrong, it's not, it's literally criminal. The governor held his first news conference and victory dance of the day in Baker County before moving on to Sarasota County to deliver basically the same message, that Florida got it right and the others got it wrong. I think locking these kids out of school like you've seen in some of these other places is going to probably be the most harmful decision. They're going to rue the day that that was what happened. The third press conference of the day was in Destin. At each stop, the governor was joined by teachers who said they supported his decision to reopen schools to in-person learning last year. As a sixth-year teacher, I can honestly say that this has been one year that I'm sure none of us will forget. I know from here forward I will be a better teacher than I've ever been in my career because we dealt with this, we made it, and we're ready to go. My fellow teachers, our students, their families, and the community, we did this. We adapted, and we are resilient. And at every stop, the governor posed for pictures with teachers holding a giant check for $1,000, the COVID bonus for teachers and principals in the new state budget. The governor's also defending his decision to slash unemployment benefits by more than half. He says there are plenty of jobs available now. The economy's performing very well. There's a lot of job openings. And so we can transition back to a pre-pandemic uh, um, uh, uh, construct on that. Senator Rick Scott is attacking President Joe Biden, saying his free spending ways are increasing inflation. The Biden administration is hurting the poorest families in our country. The people on fixed income, they can't stay up with these price increases. Our poor families, their wages, they're never going to go up as fast as these price increases. So they're hurting the poorest families in our country. Uh, right now, it's happening all across this country. We'll also have your calendar of political events and the story of a Florida teen who was outraged that her cleavage was photoshopped out of her high school yearbook. This matter is much larger than photoshopped yearbooks or dress code sweeps. It's the way young women's bodies are viewed not only by the administration and the district, but by the world. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, May 26th. This is National Grape Popsicle Day, a day that not only honors the grape flavor, but popsicles in general. You know, the first popsicle was created by accident in 1905 by an 11-year-old California kid by the name of Frank Epperson. He left his cup of fruit-flavored soda with a stirring stick still in it on the porch overnight, and it froze. On this date in 1907, bubonic plague broke out in San Francisco. In 1969, Walt Disney World construction began at Bay Lake and Lake Buena Vista. In 1977, the Sex Pistols released God Save the Queen, sparking a major controversy and leading to a ban by the BBC. And on this date in 1981, the man who tried to assassinate Ronald Reagan, John Hinckley, tried to commit suicide by overdosing on Tylenol. He failed at that, too. The Florida Department of Health reported 2,327 new cases of COVID Wednesday and 66 additional fatalities. Our statewide death toll has reached 37,382. 8,091,000 Floridians are now fully vaccinated. Another 2,033,000 have had their first shot. The governor and his education commissioner did a cross-state victory dance Tuesday, beginning in Baker County. It was the first county to fully reopen last August after the summer surge of COVID-19, and Ron DeSantis was there to celebrate the final day of the school year in Baker, and to say for the umpteenth time that he got it right. Uh, we really felt strongly that um, every parent in Florida 
needed to have the ability to send their child to school in person. And so Commissioner Corcoran and I worked very hard. Um, we also worked with many of the superintendents. And if you remember, you know, now everyone says the kids should be in school. That was not the case then, okay? People were fear-mongering. Media in particular was fear-mongering. Some of these idiot experts were saying it was dangerous for kids without any data, without any evidence. And in fact, the evidence and the data was very clear uh, by the end of last spring in places like Europe, uh, where they had had kids in school face to face. And so uh, we really believed that we had to, to cut through the, um, uh, all, the, all the storms and all the nonsense and stand with our parents and stand with our students. Um, we wouldn't have been able to do that if we didn't have a lot of folks like the superintendent and like all these teachers in Florida who wanted to get the kids back in school because they knew how important it was. Education Commissioner Richard Corcoran says other states that locked down the schools got it wrong, and he went so far as to call them criminal. We're completing 180 days of a school year with children safely, successfully, and they're still in America, schools, as the governor said, where you can't, parents can't even send their kids. And you look at it and you're like, it's not just heartbreaking, it's not just wrong, it's not, it's literally criminal. What we're doing to kids in this, other states in this country is literally criminal. It's, and, and it'll take not years, maybe decades, or maybe not at all to recover from that kind of a loss. Baker County, if not number one, I don't want, I, I got to be careful because there's yeah, 67 you, but if Baker County absolutely led the way, um, the, the state of Florida, we opened up the fastest of any state with more children in face-to-face -face instruction. Um, we have more kids in face-to-face -face instruction, you know, in October than most states combined, uh, several states combined, but Baker County opened face-to-face -face instruction, 94% of students in face-to-face -face instruction, all the teachers came back. That was the other thing. All, you know, what about the teachers? What about the teachers? You know, in Baker County, all, every, the teachers wanted to be with their kids. They wanted to have that moment. And, and that's why this bonus that the governor um, fought for, hundreds of millions of dollars for teachers and principals, it's so important and it's so well-deserved. What we found out in America... Uh, what we found in Florida, um, I have six children, all public school kids. Trust me, I wanted schools open. I might have been a little selfish in the decision, but I wanted schools to open. But, but what we found out was that our teachers, our education community, it's the backbone of society. When we got the schools right and everyone was functioning and parents could go back to work and they didn't have to worry about daycare or, or watching out for their children or where they were, they were in that great structure of our schools. Um, everything, the, the governor was able to open up every other aspect of, of, of the state and great things happened. And, and the one normalcy in a crazy world for little kids, um, whether you're a high school student or elementary, that normalcy is when they walked in and that one constant, that one thing that made sense when everything else around them, where they went to Publix and they were, everyone's masked up or they, a park and people are saying separate the kids, all these crazy things going around them. They walked into a school and that one constant, that one normal, that one great fantastic thing was there was their teacher, there was their principal, and it just bought such a sense of normalcy, certainly for my kids. Um, and so giving another bonus to these uh, teachers, it's not just well-deserved. They, they are the backbone of our society um, and our principals, and we can't thank them enough, and it's just a great thing. Angela Callahan teaches at Baker County Middle School, and she says they knew reopening was a risk, but it worked out. Last summer, the Baker County School District had to make one of the most important yet difficult decisions that it has ever faced. As a mother, a teacher, and the president of the Baker County Education Association, I am so thankful that our district chose to open our doors fully 
for in-person instruction on August 10th. It was absolutely the best decision for our kids. And I say that because two of those kids were my own. Our school shutdown last March had a devastating toll on my youngest son. He was a, he was a vibrant first grader last March, but came back to school in August as a shy and anxious second grader. The first time his teacher called on him, he hid under his desk, getting emotional, and he refused to speak for days. Being at home for five months completely robbed him of the ability to interact with others took away all of his personality and his confidence. He regressed socially and academically. My child needed to be in his classroom with his peers, with his teachers. All of our children needed to be in their classrooms with their peers and their teachers. Our district and our union made that happen. COVID-19 is absolutely real and has devastated far too many families in Florida but I truly believe that our district's approach to reopening our schools during this pandemic helped to eliminate some of that devastation. We provided the safest environment possible for our students, our teachers, and our staff. We allowed our students to be children, all while giving them the best educational experience possible the one that they deserve. The next stop on the governor's victory tour was the Sarasota School of Arts and Sciences, where DeSantis repeated his mantra. Florida did it the right way. The places that lock these kids out of school, uh, they did not stand by the parents, they did not stand by the best interests of the students, and of all the different decisions that were made, um, I think locking these kids out of school like you've seen in some of these other places is going to probably be the most harmful decision um, that were made by bureaucrats, by governors, by mayors, whoever was in charge uh, of doing that. Uh, they're going to rue the day that that was what happened. The governor and the education commissioner were joined by several teachers and surprise, they all backed his decision to reopen last summer. Marissa Dobert teaches math at the charter school. As a sixth year teacher, I can honestly say that this has been one year that I'm sure none of us will forget. If someone had told me a few years ago that I would be teaching at a new school where I would be teaching middle school math to students remotely, live, on camera, all while ensuring the health and safety of my students, I would have wondered what science fiction movie they were watching. I could not have done it alone. This year was the definition of it takes a village. Not only has this year been daunting for teachers, but it's been extremely challenging for parents and students as well. However, change is inevitable. With change comes growth, and from growth comes successes and celebration. I did it. My students did it. We all did it together. Kevin Corwin says they all had to start from scratch last year, and he believes it made him a better teacher. To say this year was difficult would be the understatement of the century. I'm a this is my 21st year teaching, 11th year at this school, uh, and I've been teaching math all 21 years to middle school students. This was my first year teaching, even though I've taught for 21 years. I had to learn everything new. But we are very collaborative and very inquisitive with what we do. When you're sitting there and your kids are watching you on an iPad, that is next to impossible to do. We are questioning the answers that I have provided for them have been out the window from day one. So it was all learning process for all of us, including the students. I know from here forward, I will be a better teacher than I've ever been in my career because we dealt with this. We made it. 
and we're ready to go. Kathleen Ferry says there are two words that best described how they dealt with COVID classes, adapting and resilience. As teachers, we are constantly used to thriving off of adapting to any situation thrown at us. And this school year was this sudden new challenge of adapting to teaching our students in person in our classrooms simultaneously with students at home, online, behind a computer screen. And we did it. We adapted by finding ways to learn new technology for students to all have equal access to resources no matter where they were learning from. We adapted by finding ways to have students interact with each other in the classroom and online at the same time so that they could still feel a sense of connection, collaboration, and social emotional learning that is just critical during the middle school years. We adapted by consistently communicating with parents to ensure together that we could create the best, most supportive education for a child living in a pandemic. When I actually got hired at this school, my assistant principal, Carl Williams, told me that to work here, you have to love kids. And that's what we do as teachers. We love kids. We love them enough to worry about them constantly, to teach through a mask, to teach through a computer screen, and to adapt. And the second word that comes to my mind is resilient, because we did all of this together, despite the obstacles and challenges that were presented this year. My fellow teachers, our students, their families, and the community, we did this. We adapted, and we are resilient. And then the governor moved on to Destin Elementary School in Okaloosa County, where he delivered the third rendition of his I was right and they were wrong speech. We're so glad and proud that we've had open schools in Florida. We look at these other places that still haven't welcomed all the kids back. Um, and I kind of shake my head, but then I also get upset because think of all the lives that have been affected negatively because of politics, cowardice, uh, flat earth science, you name it. Uh, it's been a total disaster in certain parts of our country. And so I think people are going to rue the day that they didn't get the kids back in school. I think you're going to see long-term damage. Uh, but these teachers and principals, you may never have an opportunity to make more of a difference than you did this year. Because if we didn't have the kids in school, uh, the consequences of that would have been dire. And so You've made a real difference, and because of that, uh, when the legislature met this past session, you know, I said, you know, we need to show some appreciation for that. So I propose that every principal and, and school teacher, public, both school district and charter, uh, that everyone got a $1,000 bonus. The governor also brought along a giant facsimile of a $1,000 check and posed for pictures with the teachers at each press event. Most of the conversation centered on schools, but the governor was asked about his decision to slash jobless benefits by more than half. The state is dropping out of the federal program that adds $300 per week to the state's stingy unemployment checks because DeSantis wants people back at work. Every corner of the state has job openings. We have almost a half a million job openings throughout the state of Florida. And I think in reality, it'd be even more than that because once they can start filling those, I think some of these businesses could expand because of all the good things that are going on in the state of Florida. So we're in a much different situation than we were a year ago, fortunately for us. I mean, look, you'd rather the problem be 
too many job openings than not people able to get jobs. Uh, but we are back, I think, to where the economy is performing very well. There's a lot of job openings. And so we can transition back to a pre-pandemic uh, um, uh, uh, construct on that. And I'm confident that there are jobs available out there. And, you know, look, it's the fact is, you know, Florida, we said you have a right to work. We say these businesses have had a right to be open. And the fact that we had that environment um, has really paid dividends for us, not, not just in terms of the opportunity for people to work and, and the businesses that survived and thrived, uh, but just look at our state revenues pouring in. I mean, these revenues are pouring in faster than anyone can even keep count of just from doing the budget. Uh, that the legislature passed in April based on a, a second week of April revenue estimate, we're going to end up with between a billion and a $2 billion in additional revenue that was not even forecast. And that's just simply a function of the, the dynamics and the economy being very strong. So we want to keep that going. We want to transition even more people uh, back into the workforce. We want to make sure that these businesses are able to expand. I and mean, we've got some, you know, some of these industries like the restaurants, some of these restaurants are doing great, but they can only be open five days a week because they don't have the staff to be able to, to fill it out. So I think that there's a lot of uh, great opportunities now for people. No one thought a year ago we would be uh, having that problem. I think people were predicting that Florida was going to be in a, in a real hole. I always had faith, but at the end of the day, you know, you never know how these things are going to turn out. But I felt that, that if we just dug in, that, that we would be all right. And, and I think not only are we all right, you know, we're the envy uh, of, of the country and not just the country. I mean, I get correspondence to our office from all over the world. People are um, uh, look to Florida who are locked down in Ireland or some of these other places. And so, so we're proud of what we've been able to do. The federal jobless benefits end one month from now in Florida. By the way, DeSantis is not the only Florida Republican grousing about federal spending. Senator Rick Scott held a press conference in Washington Wednesday to say President Joe Biden's policies are fueling inflation. As you know, what we've seen this, uh, especially this year, is significant inflation. Uh, commodity products, PPI is up almost 20 percent just in the last 12 months. And you see consumer price indexes up 4.2 percent. And overall, PPI index is up 6.2 percent. So we're, we're clearly seeing inflation. Uh, since I got up here a little over two years ago, I've been talking about inflation and the risk of excessive government spending causing inflation. Uh, Joe Biden won't talk about it. Where is Joe Biden? He will not talk about inflation, even though he's proposed $7.1 trillion in spending. Historically, government spending has always caused uh, inflation, excessive government spending. Over 80% of Americans are saying they have to tighten their belts, and 80% of Americans are concerned about the price of milk and bread and diapers and gas and things like that. Now, if you, th you take a family like mine growing up, I grew up in a very poor family. Uh, I went to the grocery store, whatever my mom had money, she would take in ironing to make ends meet. Whatever either my older brother and I, whatever my mom made, one of us would go to the grocery store uh, for our family, and she gave us a set amount of money. So when you saw something go up in price, we didn't have the money to pay for it. This is a kitchen table issue going on all across our country right now. People are worried about inflation. Um, so milk being up, bread being up, gas being up, who's an impact? It doesn't change the life of the rich. It's the poor, the people on fixed income. So if you're on fixed income and this, all these things go up, your, your wages aren't going up. If you're a poor family, your wages never go up as fast as inflation is going up. We have got to stop this reckless spending. Joe Biden's, all of his, his ideas of $7.1 trillion is going to make it worse. Already what they did with this $1.9 which had very little to do with COVID, 
this is going to cause significant inflation, and we're seeing it. So Joe Biden's got to stop this reckless spending, stop asking for it, and all of us have to figure out how do we stop this wasteful spending. Funny thing is, Republicans didn't spend a lot of time complaining about excessive government spending during the Trump administration, and most of them voted in favor of the COVID bailout plans that were approved last year. Your calendar of events, directors of the Florida Healthy Kids Corporation meet at 9 in Orlando. The Florida Supreme Court releases opinions at 11. The Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services Food Security Advisory Committee meets by phone at noon. The Agency for Healthcare Administration meets online at 2 to discuss a Medicaid provider enrollment policy. Holly Bell, the cannabis director at the State Department of Agriculture, holds a teleconference town hall at 3 to talk about cannabis issues. And the North Central Florida Regional Planning Council meets online at 7. Finally today, a Florida man who serves as school superintendent in St. John's County is apologizing after the yearbook photos of 80 female students at Bartram Trail High School were photoshopped to remove cleavage and bare shoulders. One of those students is 15-year-old Riley O'Keefe. Her before and after pictures have been plastered across the Internet. This matter is much larger than photoshopped yearbooks or dress code sweeps. It's the way young women's bodies are viewed not only by the administration and the district, but by the world. By imposing the current dress code and only editing young women's bodies, you are reinforcing the idea sorry, that our changing bodies are something to be ashamed of. Superintendent Tim Forson is promising changes in the dress code, and he admits it was a mistake to let one person make the decision to edit those pictures. He says it will not happen again. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.